Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, and thanks for downloading the first series of Joining the Dots. Joining the Dots is a podcast from the makers of Huck Magazine, brought to you in association with Size. I'm Michael Fordham, one of the founding editors of Huck Magazine, and I'm here to introduce the first series of Joining the Dots, hosted by filmmaker, DJ, and storyteller Don Lex. Don came to creative consciousness in South London in the 1970s and in a decade since has been part of so many movements that have defined our era. In a series of sessions in Don's creative bunker at the bottom of his West London garden, we learn that culture can bring us together as well as tear us apart. Hi, I'm Don Letts and welcome to Joining the Dots. Today, I'm sitting down with author and journalist Hattie Collins, an authority on grime a musical form that happens to be the most dynamic expression coming from the streets in the 21st century. Short story long, I I grew up in Birmingham. I'm uh, older brothers and cousins, very much into music. They used to buy and sell records. So kind of grew up in this very, I suppose, rich musical culture of dub, a bit of bangra, punk, rap, all these sorts of sounds floating around as a kid. Adam and the Ants when it was with a Z and Spear of Destiny and The Clash, all these different things were in my head growing up. And going to like the normal local comprehensive school with black, Asian, white kids, all those were then thrown into the pot, all their music was thrown into the pot. And I just, I just fell in love with hip-hop initially. So fast forward about four million years, I find myself in London just starting to get into journalism, finding my feet, writing mostly about hip-hop, 50 Cent was coming through, um, a little bit about dancehall, so maybe Sean Paul at that time was coming through. And a friend of mine called Chantel introduced me to what was then just known as 8-bar esky sublow. There was no name for it. And I was instantly, completely fascinated by this noise that she played me. Were you a journalist at this time? I was just started writing in, say, the January, February 2002. I think it was around that time, and literally maybe around May, June, something like that, Chantal was like, there's this kid called Dizzy Rascal, he's about 15 years old, he's made this tune, you should listen to it. And I hadn't heard nothing like it before. Through, through Jungle, through Garage, nothing came from. I ain't going to lie, I did the Google thing. I'm like, Hattie yeah. Carroll, who the hell is Hattie Carroll? I quickly looked up and I saw this thing that you'd been on this since 2002. I mean, way before it had yeah. actually blown up. So what struck me immediately about that was that it was obviously a genuine passion. You hadn't jumped yeah. on it because it was a fashion. It was funny because I was going to ask you about this. How do you know you're sort of in the midst of a subculture? To me at that time, it was really normal. So Chantal, she was writing a lot about UK Garage. So a lot of those UK Garage guys were the ones that were starting to make grime. So over the, I don't know, 2002, 2003, 2004, because we lived in East London, because we live very close to Rhythm Division, which was the main record shop, or where Rinse was broadcasting at the time, from whichever tower block it was broadcasting, people would just come around to our house, play us new tunes, tell us about new people, and we would go to Forward at Plastic People. Whatever was happening at the time, it was just what you did. And it's now looking back that I was like, oh my God, we were like, we were at the sort of beginning of the Centre this... of the universe. Yeah, yeah. The universe. But did you know that when you were doing... During the your... punk times, not really, man. You just, like you said, went, you, you went with the thing that grabbed you and you followed your instinct and your passion, and it turns out for us both that we had good taste yeah yeah but it's interesting the journalist thing because we had people like you around you know people might not know this but janet street porter was uh-huh. a budding journalist at that time and there was another lady caroline coon and uh, vivian goldman and it was important because these were likewise journalists that stuck their necks out and made a commitment to this thing that was really scaring everybody else 
So sonically, grime can come across very aggressive. And for some people, one of the questions I'm often asked is, oh, weren't you ever scared or aren't you ever scared to go to these gigs? It's never occurred to me to, to think that. All I've ever sort of got from it is energy and ebullience and a sense of freedom. Yeah, that no, sound absolutely. Too cringy. Um, which isn't to be sort of um, kind of obtuse and say, oh, but, you know, there's, of course, you know, stuff happens at Rays because stuff happens at Wetherspoons on a Friday night or stuff happens I at... I mean, all those elements you described to me make it sound attractive to me. I mean, I'm <laughs> yeah. guessing you're coming from the same place I just that would have made us go and look. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if someone shouts fire, like you want to go and look, don't yeah. you? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's your instinct is to run, but your 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 innate sort of strange human drawing is to just go and have a look at something that yeah. is. Has I so mean, my thing is if power. it's music and everyone's complaining about it, it's got to be someone's doing something right. You know what I'm saying? We're there. Yeah, you just can't help it. I didn't really ask the thing about the white, and I, I don't really know what a white woman uh, ends up in this. I don't know. Um, one thing I, I would say is that I've never had any shit from anybody apart from white men. Nobody within surprise, the scene itself has yeah. ever questioned my passion or my belief or my intentions with my intentions have always just been I love this music I want to write about it I want people to know about it that's all I've ever wanted to do and any time I have had any sort of people say well what, you know what's going on you know what's what are you up to it's only ever been white guys that have ever sort of questioned that do you want to sleep with these guys are you trying to make money I mean these these you know I mean of course damn you know this, yes. is, this is this is the reality of being sort of I guess a white female journalist you know you get you do get these questions I mean, I make films. Yep. And over the last few years, I've been sort of toying with the idea. I don't even... It might have already been done of somebody doing, like, an established, a proper grime documentary. And for whatever reasons, whether it be paying a mortgage or whatever, I just haven't got it together. And I was really thinking about what I knew about grime... And I realised that other than the big brushstrokes, you know, the Skeptors and the mm -hmm. Wileys and the Dizzy Rascals and the Kanos and that, I don't really know anything about the detail. Because i tell you what really struck me is when I researched you and looked at, oh, she's been into this thing till 2.02. And I'm like, shit, it's 2.17. This shit's been going for over 15 years. That's a hell of an achievement. And I'll tell you what more to the point is, you know, I've quite often complained about how droll the 21st century's been. Mm. And there's no denying that grime's been the only real, interesting, dynamic, musical product that's come out of this country in the last 20 odd years, actually, because we were banging on about nostalgia in the last night. Remember his Britpop and all that yeah, shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so that was really, I mean, why does it have yeah. this long gestation Just, period? So I did a book about a year ago called This Is Grime, and it was an oral history, so I spoke to a lot of people. Three things I think that the reason that grime existed then and, and perhaps why it continues to exist today. One is it's a group of mates that were very sort of ostracised by what was happening at the time in UK Garage. And they were like, you know what, fuck it. If they don't want to hang out with us, they don't want us to come and play their clubs, let's just make our own music. So that it was just a group of mates, relatives, cousins, mates, friends, whatever, on this, you know, estate. Lots of their fathers were in bands together. So you had Wiley's dad was in a band with DEE's dad and Footsie's dad had a sound system. So there was this sort of culture that existed of music. So I think that's one of the reasons why it began. And I think this sort of sense of being outsiders, that's kind of the nucleus of where Grime came from. You know, it's been 15 years and it's had a lot of ups and downs, had a yeah. lot of trials and relations it's gone through some terrible iterations where it's made some terrible mistakes yeah, and we'll terrible spare decisions. You, brothers. We won't name <laughs> you. Hasn't? We won't name and Listen, shame you. You know, yeah. I've I've written about some terrible music in my time too. What can you do? What I think is really interesting about Grime is, yeah, you got the Wileys and the Skeptors, but to me, the really interesting people are the ones that tend to have been forgotten. You know, that are now, to my best of my knowledge, uh, Bruiser, who's an engineer. Uh, you've got like I don't know, Hyper. I think he worked at like a sports shop, possibly. You know, there's different people that are really, really, really central to what was happening back in those days who rarely get any sort of acclaim or mention. And that's a, that's kind of it, that's one of those things that the right, the pioneers never really get paid. It's people yeah. that come along after that get to collect, and that's just part of the nature of yeah. the creativity of music, unfortunately. Yeah. But it's good that people like you are around to acknowledge these people and keep them in the story. Yeah. In 2005, myself and Chantel, who was the person that you know essentially opened the door to me to Grime, we did a piece for ID magazine, which was essentially just about Grime. And we were like, you know what, we could just do the MCs, but we should actually, why not, let's do like the bloggers, as it was at the time, the bloggers, let's do the, you know, the managers, photographers. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, you pretty to the question I was going to, I was curious to know because people say oh grime was a bit like punk and one of the things that was interesting yeah. about punk to me is that it weren't just about music right. it was this complete subculture you know, inspiring photographers filmmakers journalists is there an equivalent in grime Oh, is it that complete? Because people talk about punk and grime a lot and they talk more about the energy and the sort of the, the, the protest and the DIY. But <clears> actually <throat> what I think is really interesting that you just brought up is that it has created this cottage industry, if that's the right yeah. word. It's created this, uh, this culture of fashion, yeah. <clears throat> photography, art. I mean, there's teenagers that are doing paintings, that are creating clothing, you know, all on the back of this inspiration of, of grime. It's, to me, so exciting. And right. that, that's happened since the dawn of time. 
So I was just thinking about me, you know, wanting to make this film, and I, one of the reasons I guess I steered clear of it is for the first time in my life, there was this youth culture, basically I was too old for it. Age and social circumstance meant that I was no longer directly in connection with this thing. And I was only ever a, a keen listener and, at worst, a bloody spectator. And, you know, if I was going to make a film, I mean, the first thing I'd be looking at is, where did it come from? Mm. What was the cultural climate that created it? Yeah. What can you tell me about that? Hip-hop's got a very clear narrative, hasn't it? It's like, call her, went to Jamaica and he came back and then Grandmaster Flash invented scratching. You know, you have quite a set narrative with hip-hop and I think with grime it is a lot murkier. I think essentially around 2000, 2001, bearing in mind that September 11th had happened. Now, I don't know if there's a direct impact from what happened there, but you've got all these kids that live around Canary Wharf, uh, on the wrong side of Canary Wharf, so they're staring at these buildings which, to which the American equivalent had just been decimated. So this idea of terrorism is coming in. Socially, these guys are all reaching sort of a time when they're about to leave school. They're trying to make music, but they're sort of shut out by the garage scene who find them too young, too rowdy, don't like their new ideas. And so, you know, it happens throughout culture, you know, you see it throughout, throughout musical culture, it happens. And I think it's still, it's still a much dispute, which is one thing I love about grime is this, is this sort of murky waters that it, in which it inhabits but sometime around 2002 this idea of um, making the music darker so they were sort of slowing down the beats about yeah. 138 140 yeah. subject matter is changing too the subject it? matter is really really drastic it's a bit like when Melly Mel dropped the message it mm. was suddenly like you've got Dizzy Rascal came in talking about uh, disillusionment Reality. single parent family all yeah. that sort of stuff I think the differentiation is you've got this very specific synth sound this sort of very cold industrial Wiley sort of called it Eskimo or Igloo this very cold sort of sound that came to characterise yeah. grime and still characterises grime um, uh, with that 138, 140 BPM which coincidentally the reason it was at that BPM was because it was available on PlayStation as a free sort of programme so a lot of these kids were like obviously couldn't afford home studios so you've got this free kind of like that's some funny shit I love that you've got this free I love that free beat on the PlayStation yeah. so they're like that'll do yeah, that's punk rock that's punk right yeah yeah. Um, and that's kind of roughly around 2001, 2002 how the sort of it started to come into existence and they're pulling from what a bit of the dubstep they're pulling from UK Garage obviously a bit of jungle a bit of dance all right Definitely dance was super important. A lot of those kids, when you... They're now men, but when they were kids, a lot of those guys were watching the, the, on VHS, you know, Sting, the parents... Sting was a big thing. Clashing culture was a really big influence on a lot of these people, which, again, is very different to Garage. So, yeah, you've got all of these sorts of ideas bubbling around. You've got a little bit of, you know, the idea of rap. You've got the idea of Garage, Jungle. Lots of them were Jungle MCs in the past. You know, they've come through Jungle into Grime, and now they're like, you know what? We've always been a bit on the periphery. Let's make our own thing. I mean, it was all, I guess, subconscious, but that's how it all sort of came to be, and it went into a pot and came out Grime. It's funny you should say about clear narrative in hip-hop right now cool herc yeah. and grandmaster flash are going through a very public row about who started what yeah yeah flash is right herc i'm sorry kirk bought the tunes <laughs> but flash bought the technique yeah, 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 yeah. you know come on why east london why both why bow? That is a good question. Why bow? Why I, not, I, I guess. <laughs> I, think, I, I don't know, because you see it in West London, you see this really great mashing up of cultures. And, but I think... Well, it, no, I think I know the answer already, so I'm talking to you. I'm thinking by that time, you know, by the, that period, places like West London, totally gentrified, hardly any black people. And I'm guessing, I don't know East London. It's like a foreign yeah. country, but I'm guessing there's a lot more estates and things. And, exactly. It was a lot more sort of established working class well, estates. Yeah, exactly. You've got, a guy, you've got Wiley who is... So it's a statement about the state of London, really. That's yeah, I mean, happened. like I said earlier, that very cold noise that inhabits grime comes directly... If you speak to a producer called Danny Wood, you speak to him and he was like, you know, we were literally making the sound of where we were living. We were literally putting onto record what the environment that we were in, which was cold, it was tough, it was harsh, it was hostile, it was unsociable, and that was the music that they were making. It's kind of of the youth, for, for the, the youth. youth. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, even the time... And by the youth. By the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you look at roughly the four people that started grime, DJ Genius, Slimzy, Wiley and Target, it. These so are four people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Education, education. So, so That's genius, what I'm here for. Genius and Slimzy are super important. They 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 set up um, what is now you know the very the very well known Rinse FM. Back then. They were, they're two white kids, from, from all from the same sort of area, and they'd all been in crews together. They were in pay-as-you-go with Wiley. And they were like, let's just set up a radio station. We'll set up this station. And that station kind of became one of the hubs of Grime, where it was able to... Was that Rinse? Rinse. So he had Rinse yeah. here, which was all of Roll Deep. So he had Wiley, Target. Later on, Skepta and Jamie became members of Roll Deep, but that's much later on. Uh, Dizzy. And then you had Deja Vu, which was run by somebody else, which was the sort of home, if you like, of Nasty Crew, which was yeah. Kano, Jammer, Hyper, uh, Stormy. 
in, you know, these two kind of rival crews, friendly rivalry at that point, DWE was there, and so you would lock into each station to hear what yeah. shit they were talking about. I was going to say, I'm going to give props to people like, you know, Target, and even they were like Charlie Sloth, because if it wasn't for those guys, I wouldn't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, I it mean, was you know, it's so I'm, important, and I wonder what will happen with, you know, you're, you're a radio person, and I we, we talk a lot about radio at the moment, and, you know, what's going to happen to the future of radio, and to me, I, well, for me growing up, Tim Westwood was my gateway to, to hip-hop, you know, as a kid from Birmingham, there was no magazines that you could buy in Smiths, really, I don't think. Maybe Hip Hop Connection when I was older. So people like Westwood were sort of, or Trevor Nelson, you know, these are the people that we accessed on Radio 1 because you couldn't get Pirate. So for me, I'm just, yeah, I wonder what happens, you know, what happens if One Extra goes? What happens if Six Music goes? What happens Hold if... on, but this surely, I mean, I'm not being funny, but Grime's bigger than all of that now. Yeah, I mean, it seems it, to me well, it's a bigger problem big... for the, those radio stations than it would be for Grime. It's definitely, well, yeah, I mean, they don't need, they don't need the station. I mean, that's another, sorry to interrupt you, that's another thing that really appeals to me about the whole Grime thing that, that's a punky thing. That, when we talk about punk, I mean, I want people to understand, we ain't talking about that fucking 77 mohawk safety pin thing this is an attitude and a spirit that predates that it's this thing of young people using music to find an identity and express themselves that's the punk that i get from it fashion is a really big part of grime and i think when you talk about grime we were just i think we sort of touched on this a bit earlier but yeah you know yes it's about the music and the tracks and whatever and rinse fm and whatever but it's also about how you look you know and a big part of skeptic's success at the moment is because he's returned to this like he literally ditched all his machino and his and his versace and his designer shit and he went back to wearing tracksuits and what I found really interesting about punk, you set up a clothing shop where people just came and bought stuff and then you play records and then it became a night. Like, that just yeah. sort of blows my mind. The sort of relationship between the arts in that way. And that, I don't know. The relationship between clothes and music is a very British thing, though. I mean, they've always been that's like. That's what I was going to say. So do you, think, do you think that is. I mean, that's. Absolutely. Is it's a very, very British thing. I mean, that's what drove all those different subcultural movements at the end of the last. of the, of the 20th century, yeah. which kind of disappeared a bit. I tell you what's interesting the big difference to me between that movement and the whole thing, grime in the 21st century, is that in those days we used to shy away from money in the trapping you know we were yeah. kind of embarrassed by it but the grind people they ain't being fooled by that you know what I mean and I kind of dig that it's a very different shift in attitude that um, the aspiration of wanting the gold wanting the brands because back in the day that would have been like sucking the devil's dick yeah yeah and um, it's a definite statement of the times I mean nowadays you know if you say I'm being backed by Nike or blah 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 they're kind of um, badges of honour and even I've had to deal with some of that stuff I mean some of the films that I've made in the last 10 or 15 years have been funded by brands mm. You can't escape it. You can't. I mean, working in magazines, I worked at a magazine called Rewind for years, which was known as the Grind Bible. And we, you know, we absolutely relied on adverts and support from big brands, you know, and we would have to pull pieces. If someone sort of, for instance, slagged off, I don't know, HMV or whatever the yeah. brand might be, you know, we just, we could, you know, you are beholden a little bit. That's the sort of world we live in. But I think it's a tricky one because I think initially when Grind did chase the money, uh, which it did do in the mid noughties, yeah. it went terribly wrong. And I think what's it, better I mean, now is that Skepta particularly has led this route, this sort of movement of saying, do you know what? I don't want your brand deals. I don't want record labels I don't want to wear fancy clothes and because he's done that now he's getting thrown and yeah. deals left right and centre because he sort of rejected it yeah. now he's kind of now he's sort of in the position where he's taking it on his own terms yeah. I was going to say don't get me wrong I don't think there's anything wrong with getting paid for a good idea I mean I, hold, I think that whole thing about suffering for your art is a trick for people not paying you and I kind of dig the fact that these guys want to get paid. And like you just pointed out, it's all about at what expense. Yeah. But if you want your brand splashed all over my face, yeah. then forget That's about the thing's it. difference. I think there's a little bit more power now. I heard that when Stormzy was offered a very significant deal from Adidas, uh, he was like, yeah, 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 all good, all good. Um, but then as part of that deal, insisted that they buy his mum a house in Ghana. He's like, I'll do your deal, but I want you to fly my mum to Ghana, buy her a house <laughs> and fly her back. There's other thing about these th these kids, as far as I can see, we call them kids and men now. Even though, didn't they have, I mean, like Kano and all those, they had hits of like when they were 16, oh, he's, 17. Oh, yeah, he's 30 odd now, yeah. But yeah. they're not like stupid street urchins. These are smart, entrepreneurial kids. I mean, how else does something like that happen? She's wearing a so, boy, boy better, better no t shirt, folks. <laughs> boy, yeah. You know. I mean, they've made so much... Jamie, so Jamie and Skepta, that's their label. It's Jamie's design. They first put this out in, I think, 2006. This, this, this idea of a t-shirt. Again, like, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but at the time when I worked at Rewind, we were doing some work with a certain uh, large sports clothing company who offered him a, I mean, a serious amount of cash in the hundreds of thousands for him to come in and sell this through, through their store. And he was like, no, I'm all right, thanks. I don't want to do it. Like, he completely rejected... Because he wanted to keep the heart and soul of the brand, which is, for him, it's selling it still from his mum's house in North London. I just remembered something looking at your T-shirt. Yeah. Skepta's tune. Too well, many man, too many man. man. That was another thing that put me off in the beginning. Too much man, then. Too much yeah, man. Too many men. Too... I've got to be honest with you. I've got to say, in the early days, because I wasn't bang on it in the early days. Like, you know, a little while I'm staying back, checking out what this new thing is. And uh, the was, men uh, thing. Uh, two things. Too many men and fucking geezer shouting at me all day long. <laughs> 
I was yeah, like, oh, it, wasn't, no, second, it wasn't a Bridgie. relaxing night out. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a relaxing night out. No, I mean, I mean, yeah. but the truth again, you know, listen, in 2000, I turned 44. So, I mean, it wasn't my bloody soundtrack. I mean, Don, let's say, on the street now, yeah, you're more yeah, likely yeah. to find me on a fucking sofa. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But the, the, the too many men thing, yeah, that did my head in. Girls, where, what's the presence of females you in know, this whole thing? It's very male dominated, and and I mean now I take okay. So on mm. on Sunday, Boy Better Know took over, not just the O2. O2, yeah, I heard about it. The take whole over. thing yeah. outside, right? How did that go? It was phenomenal. I've got to give it to them. I thought it was going to be an absolute shambles. I couldn't really understand what it was. So I get down there expecting just like a bit of chaos. Take over. They had five side football. They had roller skating. They had all this stuff happening outside. And then you went inside and there was a show and it was fantastic, right? So you got this. You've got this scene, right? And it looks on the outside to be all about men. So at the O2, easy 50-50 women to men and young girls. You know, yeah, but it didn't kids. start like that. It, no, when I went back in the well, you know, in the very early days when it was still garage and it was crossing over, crossing over, you went to like Sidewinder, Eskimo Dance. It was still pretty mixed but as it did get more like shank you know there was a lot of shank lyrics it was all like very aggressive and there was a few little things that happened which we can't kind of gloss over you know there were there were a couple yeah, of violence yeah they ups well, and downs bit. you know like any good and movement. girls were just like ain't nothing all beautiful girlfriend exactly girls were like fuck that I'm not interested and I didn't want to go to nights you know where there's just loads of dudes standing around but what I think is often overlooked is that there are a lot of women who have maybe not been at the forefront but who have been incredibly important Chantal Fidu for example who's a person that you know put me onto grime she was to me 100% hands down alongside Martin Clark the very forefront of grime journalism you've got uh, artists like Nole Shiesty Lioness now you've got you know Lady Leisha and are these on disc all on the yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah 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 uh, some of them are signed some of them are unsigned you've got Skeptic Sister Julie Adenuga who's the face of Apple Music uh, she's a hugely important person Cyan Anderson you've got Laura Brosman who's a blogger you know I could go on there's a Re- Rebecca Prochnik is one of the biggest kind of live promoters in the UK who represents Wiley and Skepta so you've got these incredible women at these really interesting positions yeah, they might not always be at the forefront on, on mic, but they are just as influential, I think, at guiding a lot of careers. You know, not to sort of blow a trumpet at all, but like over the years, I've done my best to sort of, if everyone's asked me for advice, you know, what should I, should I do this? Should I take that deal? What do you think about that? So, you know, there's, lot, there's been, I think, lots of really important women. And the most important woman in grime is the mothers, because a lot of these women, broadly speaking, quite a lot of these kids grew up in single parent households. So We're generally deep. speaking... We're getting deep, yeah. No, generally speaking... So, well, generally speaking, just, just, yeah, just, yeah. just from the oral history I did, you know, generally that's what you would hear the, lots of times the dads were around but just not in the house um, the dads were super influential as well but the the mums um, gave these kids a space they were like yeah you can bring your mates like Tinchy Strider his mum let you know Dizzy Rapid Dirty Danger all these little fucking 13 year olds come round their house almost I don't know every day or every week they would go upstairs play the tunes make all their racket and the mum was like you know what it's cool you're under my house I know what you're doing you're not on the street causing trouble so a lot of the time same with Wiley you know the door was open to the artists and their mates and their producer mates to, to, to make music and I think that's really important I think that's often really overlooked and I think the mum is you know Dizzy's come back strong Dizzy's doing alright I've dropping some of that on my radio yeah, show he's, he's, I, I've got to say I'm loving that album yeah yeah something else I want to talk to you about I was thinking about this before we obviously got together and a lot of the sort of more urban bass sounds that happened in the last half of the 20th century you could always almost trace a direct line back to if not the Afro-Caribbean definitely Jamaica 100%. you know what I mean and grime thank god I mean obviously emphasis on drum and bass yep. that's there but it seems to me that one of the most interesting things to me about grime was you had this other influence coming in of Afro-British influences mm-hmm. to what extent has that affected the sound because that's really interesting to me it's a real big shift yep. in the influence of black music in the UK again from talking to people over the years uh, Lethal B or Skepta they all sort of talk about you know, when they were kids at school being African was not cool it was all about being Jamaican being African was just like <laughs> not, yeah, yeah. not the thing, right? Uh, believe me, I was you, there. You know, right? <laughs> it was, it was cool to be Jamaican yeah. or of Jamaican heritage. Not cool to be of African yeah, it heritage. Still is. <laughs> the fight continues. <laughs> um, so for a long time, if you look at the early years of grime, you had a lot of British MCs or London MCs that would emulate emulate the the patois. They would yeah. be like full born British Cockney dudes dropping a full yeah. Jamaican yardy accent. You never got the same with kids doing an African accent. Just absolutely would not be heard of. But it's been interesting over the years, and I don't know what the shift is. But I think a guy called Sway who was a bit kind of hip-hop, a bit rap, a bit grime, sort of a bit in the middle, but he he had a, an album come out which he had these skits with, like, Little Derek and Derek stuff, and he, he just brought in this idea of this very funny kind of African character, and all of a sudden people were like, oh, maybe African's kind of <laughs> cool after all. And then you had Tinchy being like, well, actually, you know, my real name is the XYZ, and you had um, Jamie talking about how he was Nigerian, and all of a sudden you have this kind of wave of cultural shift where actually being African is really, really cool. And It was always cool. <laughs> it's always been cool, of course, but finally that sort of sense of recognition it's really interesting I was it's taken a, a long time 
I saw a comment the other day on YouTube, and it's interesting because the Americans are still so out of step with this. There's a rapper called Extension who's, by all accounts, not a particularly nice chap. And Akon had said something about him, you know, oh, you know, your music's crap, whatever. And he had written on Akon's Instagram something about, you look like a felt-tip pen, you're so black. Uh, really denigrating his African ancestry. And, I was, and so it was really interesting to me how completely out of step that for this African-American rapper to You know what's funny denigrate is, and yet, and yet that's very in keeping with the African-Americans' attitude I mean, you know, Bob had to go on tour with bloody Stevie Wonder before he accepted What we have seen over the last two years is all of a sudden, kind of from nowhere, perhaps led a little bit by people like Fuse ADG and Wizkid, who are Nigerian artists yeah. who are enjoying success over here, with a little bit of help of people like Drake and Skepta. From sort of out of nowhere, with this whole wave of African yeah. influence Where's crime. Storm, what's Stormzy's blood? Where's he from? He is Ghanaian. Yeah. He's Ghanaian. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's the thing that stuck out to me most is finally... Well, that, lots of those... That yeah. Jamaican link's finally been broken. But in fact, it hasn't been broken because it's still there. Well, it's, sh- it's shared. It's, still it's there. just, it's just, there's, it's just a, there's just a lot of prominent Jamaican yeah. heritage and a lot of, but also, I think, you know, you've got Skepta Jamie, Stormzy, Lethal B. Enoughman. There's a lot of, yeah. of African artists, or a lot of Respect. So, yeah, Ret- return to Africa. <laughs> Grime couldn't have happened anywhere else but the UK. I mean, Absolutely. I, 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 it's I, it's the only true British expression of the 21st century. There's no doubt in my mind. It's funny, mm. Grime's come along to kind of save... British musical culture in the same way that hip-hop came along when it did. Because at that time, there was this kind of weird musical void. You know, everything was like Dire Straits and Bruce Springsteen. But the black American music at the time was this really overproduced shit, cool in the gang. No disrespect, brothers, and cool tunes. But it had no relationship to the vibe that was on the street. And the brothers set about creating a soundtrack that was relevant to their situation. And that's how Grimes come along. You know, and it's had this really long gestation period, which I think has worked in its favour. I've got to be honest. I mean, I'm glad that they've got all that testosterone out of their system and now guys are being, you know, they're almost getting in touch with their feminine side, dude. I mean, listen to yeah, Stormzy's Yeah, you've got Stormzy album. who's now saying, yeah. I'm not going to say the word bitch anymore. You know, you know he, he wants to, he they're growing wants up. to stop they're growing up. using the N-word. I tell you, in black so... culture, it's a big deal for us to drop that kind of macho thing. I think that's why it's had this longer gestation period, is because, you know... To be a true individual takes a lot of guts. You know, a lot of people want to be down with the brothers, man. And when we get over that, then I think things get really interesting. Yeah, I think you know, you've got you people like... You don't have to like... prove that you're black anymore. Yeah. Shit gets really interesting. Yeah, you've got people like Jamie sort of saying, you know what, education is cool and it's kind of cool to be a geek. Like, I'm a graphic design geek. You know, I went to university and, I mean, he's gone on to make a shitload of money. Even Stormzy doing that thing where he admitted about his health problems. Big deal for black people. Yeah, black so, well, people. and young men, young men, young black men. Men in general. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so interesting how... Uh, the, the, the sort of platform has changed for these kind of narratives to, to come through and for a long time you just wouldn't have had someone like Stormzy on Channel 4 News they just weren't interested or BBC or The Guardian whatever you know so I think what's great is that with the platform they are now given they're really really using it well and it's not just about like you say it's not just about it would feel so out of sync to be like talking about chains and diamonds and women it was just like, like well you know and, then, and, the, and, the, and I don't hold it against the movement for going through the bull. I mean Punk went through bull, this bullshit yeah, phase yeah. which was the mohawks and safety pinned and all that it's never about that it was about this attitude and it took a little while for people to be honest and be themselves and that's a big deal you know yeah, it needs to go through that doesn't it I think maybe a lot of things do come back to Jamaica you could say that hip hop wouldn't have existed if Cool Herc hadn't gone to Jamaica and seen what was happening with sound system culture but hip hop could only have come from the from, 1970s Bronx yeah, you know, absolutely like, same as grind could only come from absolutely the early noughties Bowie East London Maybe it would take 20, 30 years to figure out why that was. You know, was it a political reason? Was it cultural? Was it... Man, you know, I don't, I was say, in a way, it doesn't matter why it was. The thing is, it, it was. Because yeah, the yeah. best thing about Grime is they've done it under their own terms. One of the only ways, I think, to succeed in the 21st century is to have new values. They didn't chase getting the big record deals. They created their own infrastructure. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Interesting. I've never asked you about this, but to what degree did the whole technology, social media and all that facilitate? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends on who you talk to, but I think that during its early years, uh, you still had that reliance on the old-fashioned cousins taping pirate radio, sending it to cousins in Birmingham. Yeah, yeah, all that. (laughs) That was what actually helped push it early years. And so these guys would get bookings in Birmingham and Glasgow and be like, how do they know about us? But it was, you know, all through TDK getting passed around. Um, but then pretty soon afterwards, 2004, five, you got MySpace. A really important thing, um, MSN, Messenger. Messenger, yeah, yeah. So and it wasn't you, for drug dealers, folks. Yeah, exactly. This <laughs> it was, was a, for the creators. The legit, legit yeah, yeah, creators. Yeah. So they would all... So if you were on Messenger back in the day, you, you could find yourself getting a brand new Jamie track drop into your inbox because if you were sort of, you know, yeah, on, yeah, on, yeah, his, yeah. on his group thing. Then you had MySpace. And I think what you've seen in Grime, and it's interesting because you've watched people like, say, Ed Sheeran or, to a lesser extent, Adele kind of copy that. But mm. you had, from 2006... You had all these kids, all these young grime MCs and producers on MySpace and then on Twitter and now on Instagram and Snapchat and they really quickly created a community. So when one person had a release out, they would all social media mm-hmm. that, and that's how it, it helped to grow. And, you know, again, also, obviously, um, uh, he, he actually died, uh, sadly, a guy called Disco D, um, who was a New York producer who got in touch with um, Chantel, I don't know, 2005 times. Uh, and... Uh, he'd heard about it cause, because he, you know, online pirate radio at the time or online radio or... So a friend of his had sent him an MP3 across from the UK. So music became very global and grime came into this sort of global arena at that sort of time. So the idea of being able to share music and pass music along became so much easier. I hadn't liked it, but, you know, as we entered sort of the 21st century, I was really despairing. I was like, fuck, yeah, what's they've happen? actually knocked the stuffing out of young people. Do you know what I mean? Because I grew up with music being the major form of kind of expression yeah. for people like and myself. And the only thing that we had any way to access. Mm. So we got our attitude and, you know, and used it as a way to express ourselves. And, you know, when we got into the 21st century, like, oh, fuck, they've really killed it. And only grime has restored my faith. Yeah. And what I recognise is this kind of timeless tradition of people using music to kind of push things forward. I know it sounds corny. But I do, I do wonder... Because if it wasn't for grime, I'd be, like, slashing my wrists. Yeah, like, what else is there? But you, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Well, I, I want, uh, two things. One is I wonder, can there be something else like grime or, or dubstep or jungle? Please, you know, I'm worried... You know what? That... I don't think we should concern ourselves with that. All I'm glad is that we're in the 21st century, there is something that's going fucking forward. Because <laughs> when we got into the 21st nostalgia, century, it's like yeah. everyone started treading water. And the other thing was this fucking nostalgia thing. Mm. It's like everyone started looking back backwards because they're too scared to go fucking forwards yeah. and it was only down to grime that's dragged us into the 21st century well that's what grime needs to do next i think that's where i sort of think at the moment like my sort of concerns are the best grime music that's being made today is still very reminiscent of the 2002 2003 that dark synth that's my favorite grime music and that's the music that seems to do particularly well if you look at the storms you're a skeptic their biggest songs tend to be very much reminiscent of that early grime stuff which is great but i think it's time for Grime, which I think Dizzy has done on his new album, actually, to just push it a bit more, less experiment a little bit more, don't get stagnant like Garage did. Don't become so London-centric, Europe-English-centric. Well, yeah, it is. is I saw him on bloody YouTube. What did I see? Storm was at Coachella. Rocking the yes, crowd. Crazy. And the crowd is singing along. Crazy. And I tell you, if I was you there. know Coachella, I was there. are you there? I was there, yeah. And that, they're crazy. fucking Coachella. I mean, it's a festival for people that don't really like festivals. Oh, I've it's the weirdest it. festival I've ever and been to. And for him to rock that crowd and have him singing along in a loop, wow, that was a trip. 
talk about culture clash. Yeah, it's amazing. You see, you see it with um, you see it with Skepta too. I've, I've played, um, I've been in a few places with Skep. Uh, I've been to like Iceland with him, oh, and sorry, Iceland and uh, Grime New York. in Iceland. Grime that is a thought. It's cold. It's cold. It's That's some cold shit. <laughs> it's it's crazy that you can see this this weird little music that came out of like pretty much one estate, you know, in East London. That is now, you know, you've got Drake attached to it, you've got Pharrell produced a track on Skepta's album, yeah. all that I mean, I notice people keep flagging up and they go, Drake, and they go, ASAP this and that, and fucking... And I'm like, fuck yeah. that, what's happened? These guys have done this shit on their own, and these guys have come to them after the fact. Do you know what I mean? It's a real big achievement. Uh, yeah, I agree. Because I mean, ideally, we don't need the blessing of none of those motherfuckers. Yeah, I mean, no right. disrespect, my American brothers, but this has happened in spite of them. Yeah, exactly. Because you for know, a long time they didn't care, and it was very platitudinous. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, People were like, yeah. I talked for a long time. I remember. So years ago, I did an interview with PDD. This is a weird story, but I did an interview with PDD for ID, and uh, he messaged me afterwards asking to FaceTime. Well, not FaceTime. Wouldn't be in FaceTime then. Wherever it was, Skype. So obviously I was like, PDD wants to chat. Who am I to turn him down? And he was like, yeah, what's the, you know, who's the hottest thing in the, in, in the UK right now? I want to do a remix. And I was like, yeah, you've got to get Skepta. you got to get what? And I was like, I was gassed. Septic tanks, got to love them. You know, so, I mean, we were talking about this before, you know, this idea of, you know, we all make mistakes. And I was I was as guilty as encouraging this. So, you know, Puffy ends up doing this remix with Skepta. It was called Hello, Good Morning. And I remember at the time we were all so excited, like, this is it. We're going to blow. Grime's going to go massive. Diddy comes over, goes to Glasgow, does, does this remix, makes a video, never plays it once in America, doesn't get the guys over to America, doesn't Put him on, it doesn't put it on his actual album. It meant nothing. It meant nothing really. Saying, remember when it spread my brethren out there and all you man them. Sometimes you cross over and you can't get black. Mm-hmm. Remember that. <laughs> that's a very good Tom line. Tom said that. Sick line. Um, yeah, that's what happened. I mean, that's you know that was that period in the noughties when grime did become really bad, 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 bad. And as a, as a fan, just as a fan, not even as a journalist, whatever, as a fan, I was sort of really excited to see. Oh, this may, you know maybe they got, these guys are going to blow up. And Skepta went over to America and did a few shows and did some radio on Hot 97 with Jamie. And I think Dizzy went over there and did some shows. And Lady Sovereign was signed by Jay Z. I mean, all this sort of stuff. But in the, in the last half of the twentieth century, that would have made sense because America were these kingmakers. But not anymore. The digital age has shrunk the planet. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. And they ain't those king, the kingmakers anymore. Right, and now, and Grime now, again has proved that. Yeah, if you're Drake and you want to you want to borrow this call that, that these guys have, then you need to put them on your album. And he has done that. You know, I'll, I'll give sort of Drake his juice. He has put Giggs and Skepta and Dave and George Smith. He's actually put these people on his album. So that sort yeah. of says a lot more than just like coming to the UK and sort of appearing yeah, yeah. at a show. So yeah, I mean, who needs? We don't need America. We don't need that. And, but exactly like I was saying earlier, because Skepta didn't need the brand, he didn't care about the money. He resigned himself to being broke for the rest of his life. He was like, "Fuck it, I just want to make music. I don't care if I'm broke." New values. Sorry, go on, yeah. Um, and the same thing, I don't care if the Americans like it, I don't care if I'm famous in America, and of course, when you do that, you let go of everything. That's it, and again, I keep saying, the world becomes a really exciting place yep. when you create your own value system. Yep. It's the only way forward in the 21st century, and the grime guys have got it, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, really. Okay, so I went to the boy, but I take over the other day, right? I'm um, just sitting in the queue for the bar, and the sky starts chanting some shit in my ear. And I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's like, do you know where you know where you are, love? You know where you are, right? And I was like, oh, sorry? So you know you're at a grime rave. I'm like, I'm at a grime rave? He was like, yeah, yeah, grime rave. I was like, what's what's grime? He's like, it's gr- grime, grime, you know, it's what, it's what we've been listening to tonight. And I was like, grime? Oh, is that what it's called? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what, like, like Jay Huss? He's like, yeah, 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 Jay Huss, he's grime. I was like, oh, really? Because I thought he was more Afrobeat. And this girl's like... Smackdown. <laughs> Hi, mate, I've written a book. I was at the raves before. You know, it's just like, bah. Yeah. But, but, um, could be 150 years, 40 years old, whatever. I still want to be interested, not necessarily in, in youth culture, but just stuff that's going on, whether that's exciting youth culture shit. or... Exciting shit that's great pushing telly things forward. or good films, you know, it's uh, hey. politics, you know, what How life How do you think it? I'm getting a gig these days, girlfriend? <laughs> Come on, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's important, it's important. And I think all, you know, I was a kid once, I was in my 20s once, I was fucking running around London like a loon thinking that I own the town and I was the boss and everything I did was the most important and exciting thing. Like I say, let me rewind selector and say that I do acknowledge in, in the 21st century, it's fucking tough to be young out there. Oh, I wouldn't want it now, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean fucking rents in London and all mm-hmm. that shit you know it's it's tough so yeah I, I respect anybody that can stay on course and kind of yeah, there's, there's, some, like, there's, there's some really really you know lucky through my job uh, not necessarily in grind but I'm, I meet and talk to some amazing young people a girl called Amanda Stenberg who's 17 she's American but of uh, Iranian and she's Iranian uh, Iranian and African American and American she's 17 years old she intellectualised me by about a million I had no idea what she was talking about half the time she had all these big words talking about really important things in a really interesting way and I was just like god you know I mean, well, I was 17. I was li- 
literally at clubs, smoking fags, smoking weed, drinking, you know, the shit out of anything I could drink of, you know, just, just being a teenager. And I think it's interesting. Maybe that's always been the case, but I feel like there's definitely a real push from young people at the moment. I've got to ask you, right, is grime primarily a black expression? Yes, primarily black, but it's also very working class. That's interesting you say that, working class, because there's been this tradition of white working class kids looking at sort of black American music for their fix of rebellion. Again, that shifted with punk rock, because all of a sudden, instead of being about black America, it became about Jamaica and the sound system of this whole punky reggae thing. But it was always black music from abroad. And again, grime's broken that chain because now they're still looking to black music for their fix of rebellion, but it's created right here. And I think if you look at grime, the, the audience of grime now, it's actually predominantly white middle class. And if you go to UK rap, you, that's where you're going to see black kids again and not so many white kids. So... Mm, uh, Hip-hop. UK rap, I mean, UK, okay, the uh, UK uh, rap, not uh, yeah, okay. not, not um, UK rap and drill and trap. What's, but what it, drill? Tell me what drill. Uh, Tell us so all drill, about drill. Trap, <laughs> I got is like dirty south rap. Yeah, exactly. Drill. Tell drill, me, like, drill, I can't keep up anymore with these fucking labels, Drill, <laughs> drill is from Chicago, pretty much kind of founded around a guy called Chief Keef. It's just very violent, very dark. It's, you know, not okay, yeah, full right, of hope. Right, right. For some well, reason... Right, one. Ro road rap or so, rap? So for, so, okay, so road rap is from the school of grime in that it's very British, linguistically very British, but it's, it's slowed down, so it's slower beats. Tends to be very influenced by people like Jada Kiss and The Locks, that sort of kind of late 90s hip-hop sort of thing. So oh. road rap is basically, I suppose, the more authentic rhyme, if you like, in terms of if you want to talk about the the stereotypical experience of living in in the uh, the hood, or the ghetto, or whatever you want to say, you know, it's a lot about drugs, a lot about drug dealing, a lot about gang problems. So very different to grime. Uh, in that yeah. sense, subject matter is man, a lot the darker. Dread, the dread's getting old. Too many fucking labels. Yeah, well, man. this is the thing. So you, you you're finding at the moment like. You're finding at the moment, yeah, you're finding at the moment grime is becoming much more, much more sort of white male student sort of audience. Um, like back in the day when you would go to Public Enemy gig, you know, yeah. same thing. The sort of black audience tended to drop away and, and now at the moment, uh, one period, period lots you find the black audience was really into Funky House hey, and Garage. Listen, you go to a jazz or a blues gig these days, white. how many black people do you think are there? It's going to be all white people. It's, again, it's this weird dynamic. I don't yeah. know what the fuck that's about. So but... why is, why do you think white working class people are so fascinated by black music. Ha, that's easy. It's got a better beat than green sleeves. <laughs> it's got to be, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, ultimately, it's got yeah. to be something to do with the bass and the beats, because that's what we, we really brought, brought to the mix. Mm. I wouldn't say black people invented music, but that whole emphasis on drum and bass that seems to be something that speaks to us... What's the word? Prime, more, more, prime, what's the word? Prime, 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 primordial, primordial. That word, yeah. And uh, that crosses all race and all that stuff but yeah beats and the bass i guess if you had to strip it down it has to be something to do with that because we got we had the guitar players we had the hendrix and the princes and all the rest of it but ultimately the only connection i can see is something to do with drum and bass and that's some primitive shit that you'd have to ask a scientist about. But, but the struggle, there has... there's a struggle too, right? I think the, the idea of struggle... Protest music. There's no protest. way people had protest music. Well, protest is different. I think protest is different. I mean, struggle in the sense of, like... Um... Yeah, no, I can dig what you're saying. The underdog, yeah, the alienated. Um, yeah, the outsider. Which is particularly... Yeah. Which is, I think also this class... You know, the classism, as we know, is very particular to the UK. It's not as explicit in the US. And I think maybe that's... There's something there, you yeah, know. But even, well, as you're saying, but even in the US, the white kids... I mean, it's white kids that are going to these rap kids... Mm. Rap, rap gigs now. Yeah, it's yeah. Right, white people's money that's made rap the biggest selling genre yeah, yeah. on this planet. Yeah, yeah, it's something like so, 60 or 80% of people on, yeah. on Spotify that listen to rap are white, or whatever it is the statistics are. I'm just wondering if in the, in the I was going to say in the 21st century, in the world period, it's, it's always been a very white world, and black culture has always been outside of culture. To some people, that's always been an attraction, not a distraction. I think so. yeah, I think And maybe so. it's just by the nature of the way the world operates that white people will always look to some outsider culture for their fix of rebellion or anti-establishment yeah and just that's just the setup it's of the world i'm just nature. having this random thought as i'm speaking to you yes. about why that is because yeah. it's a recognized dynamic that white kids always gravitate towards black but, music for that when i lived in east london i would see so many indian guys and it was all the local man them like all the sort of shady kids around there that were in very nice cars that were doing potentially illegal activities um, <laughs> um and um, some of them i know definitely were because we would have experience with that but they 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 would have two pack they would have biggie like th th there's you know it's, it's, it's white 
kids and Indian kids, in my experience, in both Birmingham and London, that are very attracted to black British music. Not just music, but culture and... I don't know. I mean, like I said earlier, you know, I've never had people question why I write what I write about. I mean, you know, I, I'm as likely to write about Amy Winehouse and Lady Gaga as I am about Skepta and Stormzy. I you met what, le- Amy, right? Yeah, we. Yeah. I interviewed her a couple of times. Um, we were kind of close. Fuck. It's just, it still really shocks me. It still really shocks me. And I, do you know what I think about Amy as well? I just, it's a ridiculous thing, but and probably the last thing that she would actually really want to do if she was alive. But I just think, God, imagine her and Skepta together or her and Stormzy. I just what and she would have been powerful there. Powerful that would have been, she right? She would have been there, man. She would have loved Damn. that stuff, I think. She would have that loved hurts. She would have loved Grime, I think. Um, or what it, what it came became. Yeah, so, she would have been. I mean, well, and then look at you know, look at someone like Amy. She was a sort of working middle class Jewish North Londoner who was obsessed by Ella Fitzgerald and 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 Mahalia um, Jackson. Yeah, Mahalia Jackson. So it's a really big question, and I I I don't know. I don't know the answer to to that, but I think it's really important. I think it's a really important and really interesting question. But what is the answer? So, if Grimes a primarily black expression, where does somebody like Mike Skinner? fit in because I love that brother he's like <clears throat> he's like the Shakespeare of the streets 100% he is one of the, the finest lyricists I think this country has produced he's he's just incredible he came very much into uh, what he was doing around the same sort of time as Grime was born original part of material came out in 2002 which was at that stage when Grime was sort of figuring out who and what it was I think a lot of MCs retrospectively were very influenced by Mike I think most of them perhaps were introduced to him until a couple of years after 2004 sort of times and someone that I mentioned earlier Chantal Fiddy, the person that introduced me to Grimes, she was working at 679 uh, with Nick Worthington, which was part of Locked On, which was part of Mike Skinner, and Chantel and Dan Stacey put together a couple of remixes early on with Mike and Jamie Skepta. Uh, who else was on those remixes? Watch 32. Skinner went on to work with Gigs later on. I mean, Skinner's got a huge level of appreciation for Grime. I think he would be very cautious of saying that he had any sort of influence on it, but I think over time he's definitely played a part, and I think what they always really appreciate about Skinner, someone like Wiley or Skepta, is his storytelling uh, ability. Yeah and his Genius. lyricism and his concepts you know they've all and Kano you talk to Kano he'll, he'll talk to you about Skinner all day you know that he's definitely played a part but I don't think he influenced it very early right. on you know but I think as they all he's grew part of together the story? I think so yeah I think he's definitely a part I of the mean, story I mean I tell you I miss, I miss his lyrical he's flow a, I mean G he's a G absolutely. I mean bloody was it Grand Known Come For Free was a bloody concept album the you whole know. album you lose yeah. a grand that thing <laughs> the girl he cheats <laughs> on the girl he finds the grand it's to me yeah. it's one of the I mean well, how, you lose that, what, how you lose all that money down the back of a telly I don't know what I'm telling I was trying to look like the telly, yeah. I feel like a lot. Well, they used to have slots. They used to have that, you know, but serious. I mean, Shakespeare of the streets. I don't know how else to put him. I mean, really. And I miss him. I mean... I wish he'd make some more shit. You know? you can, I think that sort of idea of that haphazardness of lyrics, uh, you don't always have to rhyme perfectly. I think Kano's really picked up on that a lot. Um, someone like Skepta as well. I think this sort of very artisanal kind of approach to, to rap where you don't have to sort of follow the four by four, you know, you don't have to follow the beat structure, you don't have to follow the perfect rhyme. I think Mike was perhaps preceded by Eminem was really, really wicked at that. But also the fact that you could talk about EastEnders and Henry the Hoover and all very British things that Americans wouldn't understand, but it didn't matter because you didn't yeah. want Americans to understand, you didn't give a shit. Yeah. You, you wanted your mate down the road to hear it and go, yeah, that's sick, that's sick. And that's what Grime did. It very much spoke to itself. It didn't care if yeah. this person understood it. Of the youth, for and the youth, by the youth. Something man. I think Mike, Mike certainly helped. So before I let you go, I've got to ask you something, because it seems to me that you're one of these people that follows stuff that you're passionate about and through instinct, not about what the market's about. What's next? What, what you got? You know, what are you listening to? Tell me. Give me some tips for my radio show so I can be here. There's a, there's a lot. It's of... hard these days at my age. <laughs> hey, trust, trust me. me. I, I I got you. Don't worry. It's, it's a lot of searching on the internet. It's a lot of time spent online. You know something? I don't look that hard. It's I figure... exhausting. I don't look that hard anymore. I figure if I'm supposed to hear it through my connections and through... Somehow it comes It'll yeah, reach yeah, me, yeah. you know. It always gets... Yeah, it always gets Give me some tips. Well, I think what's been really great about Grime, particularly over the last couple of years, is it's uh, spread from outside London. So you've got loads of kids from literally Swindon... Manchester, Birmingham, Glasgow, place, right? Birmingham, yeah, Birmingham, Bristol. Manchester, Nottingham. You've got loads of wicked um, uh, rappers and MCs coming through uh, <clears throat> that I think are really interesting. Um, and and also you've got sort of Afrobeat-inspired people like Lotto Boys from Birmingham. So I think as a, as, a, as a sort of country, the stranglehold that Grime had on East London has certainly been loosened. And I mean, most of the stars now come from South London. So this idea of Grime being very localised is, is really interesting that it's spreading out. You've got Korean Grime, you've got Japanese Grime. Oh, man, I want to hear that There's shit. There's some weird I stuff. I want to hear that shit. There's some weird stuff out there. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I'd be. But outside of grime, what else? I wonder. If, well, I don't know. Is there going to be? Can there be another subculture?
culture, can there be another dubstep? Can there be another grime? Can there be another jungle? I don't know in how, in this world of gentrification and this sort of clamping down of artistic kind of space in places like London, how can anything thrive and survive? And also... We find a way, man. We find a way. But also, as soon as something comes out, it's yeah. old. People are like, oh, yeah, that tune came out two days ago. It's old. Like, because the internet, it's so well, it's about Yeah, it's about moments as opposed to movements. It's really now. hard for anything to problem. build, isn't it? And that's, that, I think, is, a, is, is something that I'd like to read. I don't know, Simon Reynolds or something. But still, you can't... You know, that, that, the spirit of young people wanting to be themselves, have their own soundtrack and express themselves, I guess that's what will never die, I yeah. hope. And that will feed the next movement, whatever it is. I think the next movement is going to be very political. I think there's going to be a really strong streak of activism running through whatever happens next. I think young people, young kids are far more, I hate this word woke, but I'll reluctantly use it, they're far more aware and awake. Well, they've, had, they've, to... they've been forced in because of the economic, economic climate. Yeah. I mean, you've got to pay uh, 300 quid for... A, one bedroom flat in London. Eleven grand. How, to how go are you to... going to be creative and you know what I mean? Pay the rent. It's tough. Oh, it's eleven grand to go to uni and stuff. So I think I eleven think... grand. Now you come out. Eleven out, grand you, or sixteen. You walk away with a fifty grand debt. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. This is ridiculous. So I think, I think, I think it's always been a bit of a tricky one how politics and music melds, and sometimes it's worked really well with punk, and sometimes it hasn't. But I think the next generation of kids from the UK, from Britain, certainly, I can't really speak about America, but I think it's, we're going to see some really interesting, strong activist political music. It's interesting you should say that because, I mean, they're going to need to get their shit together because it's post-Brexit shit. Like I said, I'm an old man. Ain't going to bother me, but by the time it all kicks in, I'll be dead. Yeah. The people is going to screw with the young people, yeah, so yeah. it's right it's, on time. It's, it's, I mean, it's really. yeah, Brexit. It's grime time. I think, yeah, I think the grime generation are, the, are, are going to kick up a bit of a fuss. I think they're going to demand some answers. You know, Grant, we're sat how we far away from Grenfell, you know, and I think that's been really led by the grime generation. AJ Tracy and Loki have really pushed uh, and are pushing for answers. Um, you've got Stormzy calling out the police and their treatment of uh, yeah, the press around Nottingham Carnival. Who takes heroin? Heroin at Carnival. I mean, come on. If it had been weed, I would have said, you know what? Or, or balloons. Who does go on that? Oh, no, heroin. Anyone, anyone, like, raise their finger at that at the time? They like, did. Well, no, people, no, no. Stormzy did. It a big fuss. Stormzy did, Stormzy, yeah. led by Stormzy, by and, a lot of people. And then, brilliantly, there was a huge, a huge, um, a huge amount of coverage about about crime statistics. So, Glastonbury, so there was less crime at Notting Hill than V Festival, uh, Best of All, Glastonbury. I mean, I could go on. Yeah, like, unless you, know. you read the Daily Mail, of course, you, you know. fucking wankers. I don't think I don't know that it'll necessarily be grime that is the, at the very forefront. But I feel at the moment you've got Stormzy and you've got JME, you've got all these people very much at the forefront who are asking a lot of tough questions, and I think that's really important. So, and they've got the means to do it through social media. They don't have to rely on ID Magazine or The Guardian mm. or Radio One anymore. Or the Enemy. They can do it yeah, on their own platforms with their two, yeah, three million a, yeah. followers. So that's really powerful to me. So I, I, long may that live. Long may that live. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for season two of Joining the Dots, which is in production as we speak. In the meantime, you can find Huck Magazine at all good news agents and you can go to huckmag.com to subscribe. That's H-U-C-K-Mag.com for daily original journalism, cutting-edge reportage photography, and all the killer content. HuckMag.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.